This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 223. Anxiety and peace. Anxiety can rob you of the enjoyment of life. The causes of anxiety are numerous. Health issues, work or lack of it, finances, debt, unpaid bills and so on, and much else besides. The global pandemic has greatly increased levels of anxiety. Sometimes we may need professional support or medical help. Some of the biggest causes of anxiety are those dealt with in today's New Testament passage. Relationships, marriage or lack of it, sex or lack of it, singleness and divorce. In our Old Testament passage, the book of Ecclesiastes suggests that much of the anxiety we experience is caused by something deeper. This could be described as the anxiety of meaninglessness. In the midst of all this, you are called to live in peace. From Psalm 94 When I said, My foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. But the Lord has become my fortress, and my God the rock in whom I take refuge. Speak to God about your anxieties. Do you know what it's like to experience great anxiety? The psalmist certainly did. He writes, You grant relief in the days of trouble. When I said, My foot is slipping, your love, O Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. He goes on, but the Lord has become my fortress and my God the rock in whom I take refuge. When surrounded by great anxiety, turn to the Lord for help. When I was upset and beside myself, you calmed me down and cheered me up. In God's love, we find relief, consolation and joy. God provides a circle of quiet within the clamor of evil. Thank you, Lord, that you give me relief in the days of trouble. Today I come to you and bring my anxieties to you. New Testament from 1 Corinthians 7 Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come back together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. God has called us to live in peace. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, if any brother has a wife who's not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he's willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife 
and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or the sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. Live in peace with your situation. Do you feel you're living a life of peace? God has called us to live in peace. How do you find this peace? In this chapter, Paul sets out how you find peace in relationships, marriage, singleness and separation. He begins by asking the question, Is it a good thing to have sexual relations? He responds, certainly, but only within a certain context. Paul is dealing with two opposite dangers. Those who say that all things are lawful, which leads to immorality, and the super-spiritual ascetics who deny the body totally. In response, Paul answers a number of questions. First, is marriage God's general will for his people? Marriage is the norm for all people. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. God's general will is for people to get married for partnership, procreation and pleasure. Singleness is the exception. It's a special call. The reason Paul gives here is because there is so much immorality. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. He's dealing with his opponents on their own terms. They were reacting against immorality and arguing for no sex and no marriage. Paul replied that, as well as for all the positive reasons, the temptation towards immorality is a good reason to get married. Second, what is the Christian attitude to sex within marriage? The route to spiritual fullness in marriage is not through abstinence. Within marriage, there is sexual freedom and sexual equality. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality, the husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. The only reason to abstain is for short periods of prayer, if mutually agreed, and that is a concession, not a command. Third, is it better to be single or married? Paul writes that both are gifts from God. They are both good. In a way, it's best, for reasons to be given later, to be single. Sometimes I wish everyone was single like me. A simpler life in many ways. But celibacy is not for everyone, any more than marriage is. But it's also a good thing to get married. Fourth, should a Christian ever seek a divorce from another Christian? The general principle in this passage and the rest of the New Testament seems to answer this question, no. If you're married, stay married. Husband has no right to get rid of his wife. See, for example, verses 10 and 11. Of course, this is a very complex issue. And I've tried to look at this question in more detail in the book on the Sermon on the Mount, The Jesus Lifestyle. Fifth, what about relationships with people who are not Christians? Paul does not encourage a Christian to marry someone who is not a Christian. However, if they are already married, that's quite different. They should not seek to dissolve any existing marriage relationship. Paul's opponents were worried that being married to someone who was not a Christian would pollute the marriage. Paul's response is that the opposite is the case. The unbelieving husband shares to an extent in the holiness of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is likewise touched by the holiness of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be left out. As it is, they also are included in the spiritual purposes of God. If the person 
who is not a Christian, insists on leaving, and clinging to the marriage would lead to nothing but frustration and tension, then the Christian should let them go, not for the sake of purity, but for the sake of peace. Lord, help us at whatever stage we find ourselves, regardless of our marital status, to live according to your standards and to know your peace. Old Testament from Ecclesiastes 1-3 to My heart took delight in all my labour, and this was the reward for all my toil. When I surveyed all that my hands had done and all that I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labour under the sun? Find purpose instead of meaninglessness. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving for which they labour under the sun? This expression, under the sun, occurs 28 times in this book. It is used to describe a search for meaning that never moves beyond this life and this world. Ecclesiastes is a story of one person's anxious search for meaning. The writer in the shoes of King Solomon 3,000 years ago searches in various areas. Joyce Meyer writes, Solomon was a busy man. He tried everything that could be tried and did everything there was to do. But at the end of his experience, he was unfulfilled and bitter, exhausted, disappointed and frustrated. Ecclesiastes expresses some of these frustrations about life. Eugene Peterson writes, Ecclesiastes doesn't say that much about God. The author leaves that to the other 65 books of the Bible. His task is to expose our total incapacity to find the meaning and completion of our lives on our own. It's an expose and rejection of every arrogant and ignorant expectation that we can live our lives by ourselves on our own terms. Solomon finds that everything's boring, utterly boring. No one can find any meaning in it. So what do you get from a life of hard labour, pain and grief from dawn to dusk, never a decent night's rest, nothing but smoke? First, intellectualism. He begins by chasing after wisdom and knowledge, but this only leads to much sorrow and more grief. The more you know, the more you hurt. Accumulating wisdom and knowledge does not deal with the ultimate cause of anxiety, meaninglessness. Second, hedonism. Hedonism is the doctrine that pleasure is the chief good or proper aim. I said to myself, let's go for it. Experiment with pleasure. Have a good time. He tries escapism through laughter. He tries stimulants, cheering myself up with wine. He turns to music, men and women singers. He tries sexual pleasure and a harem as well. Solomon, in fact, had 700 wives and 300 mistresses. All this still did not satisfy. He concludes, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, And what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He experiences the paradox of pleasure, the law of diminishing returns. The more people seek pleasure, the less they find it. Third, materialism. Materialism is the tendency to prefer material possessions to spiritual values. He tries various projects. He obtains property. He has many men and women working for him. He has many possessions. He acquires money. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. He achieves greatness, success and fame. He had a successful job and career. Yet death makes this entire search meaningless. Ecclesiastes raises the question that the New Testament answers. The meaning is not found 
under the sun, S-U-N, but in the sun, S-O-N. Lord, thank you that in Jesus I find the answer to the anxiety of meaninglessness. Thank you that in him I find true peace and purpose to my life. Pepper adds, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, There is a time for everything. I never have enough time even for the Bible in one year, and I'm on holiday.